This is TK331, a Star Wars EU slash Legends podcast. I'm Crystal, a Star Wars enthusiast, but I've never read a thing I liked that I couldn't complain about a little bit. And I'm Thomas, a Star Wars completionist who has previously read the entirety of the EU. So, what are we reading today? Today, we are reading A Bad Feeling, the tale of EV99 from Tales from Jabba's Palace. Written by Judith and Garfield Reeves Stevens. Edited by Kevin J. Anderson and published by Bantam Spectra in January 1996. Judith and Garfield Reeves Stevens have written two short stories in the Star Wars universe. This one and One Last Night in the Most Isley Cantina, the tale of the Wolfman Lamproid and Tales from the Most Isley Cantina. The one that made Tom cry. Yeah, I was a big fan of that one. You <laughs> like that? I think you liked just how different and weird that was. Yeah. They've been writing together since the 80s and have also written several stories in the Star Trek universe. A Bad Feeling tells the story of everyone's favorite torture droid from Return of the Jedi, EV-99. We learn some of what she got up to before the events of Return of the Jedi, as well as certain characters who she has previously crossed paths with. The story begins with Cloud City falling. Lando's about to fall out of the city, but Lobot grabs him and holds on. And then the backup systems come online, riding the city. Sarl Random, who has the most unfortunate name ever, the acting security chief tells Lando she must have planted charges by the main repulsor lift generators. Who is she? We don't know. We'll find out. Looking at the damage report, not all the generators were targeted. Lando thinks maybe it's a diversion and asks where she's headed. Sorrow doesn't know. Sorrow got the job of security chief when she brought evidence to Lando about the now former security chief doing some pretty bad things on Cloud City. A transport shuttle launches and Lando thinks that she's finally made a mistake. He calls traffic control and orders her brought back still functioning. And they first hint as to who she is. The traffic control droid suggests that they could blow her out of the sky and... Lando asks, who's suggesting this? And the droid says that's name is 124C41, traffic controller, second class. And Lando's about to reprimand the droid, but then's like, you know what? Parts of several different 1-2 droids have been found, and the evidence even showed that the droids were still on when they were being dismantled. So it's bad. This droid clearly wants revenge. Lando tells 4-1 this is no time for revenge and just to bring her in alive, and 4-1 acknowledges the order. Then there's a crack of thunder as they see the Iopian princess flying away, a mining guild cutter. But the ship isn't supposed to leave until tomorrow. They realize that the transport ship was just another diversion, and Lando knows that she's gotten away. Genius and Brilliant don't begin to describe her. She destroyed a quarter of Cloud City's droid population without falling under suspicion, and only been found out by accident, by Sarl. Lando doesn't know where EV-99 will show up again, but he hopes it's somewhere he never has to go. Years later, EV-99 is at Jabba's palace, and she has a bad feeling. She welcomes it. Bad feelings are what she exists for. (laughs) She's currently torturing a gonk droid. It screams, and she thinks its signal of distress is delicious. What she does is an art form. Poor gonk droid. Yeah. Especially after Bad Badge. This makes me so much sadder than it used to. Yeah. It used to always make me sad. Just seems mean. Yeah. Mean-spirited. R2 and 3PO, of course, show up, and 99 is impressed by R2's imaginative, imaginative insults, yet again confirming R2 is consciously swearing up a storm. Yeah. However, R2 doesn't protest being assigned to the sail barge, and to EV-99, it's almost as if R2 wanted to be assigned there, almost like R2 expected it. 
And she tries to figure out why. She's like, that, that's kind of weird. Doesn't really jive with what just happened with the insults being flung at me. There are at least 15 separate conspiracies to kill Jabba that she knows of. That's actually down a bit from previous years. <laughs> He's lost popularity. Or gained. On the murder scene. The previous protocol droid that she disintegrated claimed that it had been reprogrammed by a palace guard, causing it to mistranslate something. The previous bartending droid had been found with its power circuits yanked out. A palace guard was late for a shift at the same time the droid was destroyed. The guard's name is Tamtel Screege, but she immediately recognizes him as Lando Calrissian. She thinks the two droids are with Lando and are out to get her. It's the only thing that makes sense. She decides that it's time to move on again, but first she'll take the R2 unit apart while the protocol droid watches. Eesh. Kinky? No. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> for her? Alright, for her. And then maybe she'll move on to organic deconstruction, starting with Lando. Yikes. Also, here's an answer to Star Wars trivia that's a great one that will stun people. What was the pseudonym Lando went by when he was in Jabba's palace? Yeah. Did you know it? I still don't know it. (laughs) I read the name maybe 30 seconds ago, and I have already forgotten it. (laughs) Temtel Screech. Uh, that sounds like a like a NPC Star Wars name. Yeah. Ninety nine reaches to her private workshop, and other than her, droids that enter here never leave. And she's surprised that Lando was able to track her down. She knows she needs to go over tracks even better when she leaves this time. There's a silver droid in here. She's been torturing it for a while. She's sorry that she must stop sooner than she had planned. She wraps her fingers around its neck and kills it. There are other droids that she's experimented on as well, kept in cages. This is dark. Yeah, like, with with how much we care about droids in the Star Wars universe, this story is, it's messed up, man. Yeah. Droid on droid violence. Who knew? Droid on droid graphic murder. Yeah. (laughs) Droid on droid serial killing. Yeah. Suddenly, all the droids freeze as the entrance to her inner sanctum opens. A guard enters... 99 assumes it's Lando. He pulls out a blaster and raises it, but then 99 sees the fingers aren't organic. This isn't Lando. It's another droid. It fires, shooting off both her arms and legs. It takes off its helmet. 99 expected to see the golden droid, 3PO. (laughs) I would love if this was 3PO. Yeah, that would be hilarious. (laughs) But she's surprised again. It's a 1-2 unit, and it introduces itself as 1-2-4-C-4-1, a traffic controller from Cloud City. She had deactivated many of his manufacturing lot mates years ago. Now the equation must be balanced. He opens the cages with the other tortured droids. She asks how Lando found her, and 1-2 says, Lando doesn't even know she's here or care. But Lando is here. So it must be for some other reason that 99 just can't figure out what it is. <laughs> she knows she's about to be torn apart, so she turns her pain receptors to their highest sensitivity. That's the kinky part. she's a real freak. 4-1 opens her up and removes her pain simulator button and crushes it. It takes the tortured droids a while to destroy her. It finally happens at about the same time as the sail barge explodes. Lando never knew she was there, nor learned of her fate. Ending the story. What'd you think? You've got a, a <laughs> wild expression on your face right now. <laughs> really? Is it, is you were it like, wild? whoa, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> While I was reading, I was like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> I mean, I really liked it for that reason, because it's so... It kind of reminds me of the that gothic horror one yeah. from Tales from Most Eisley Cantina. 
It's just so different. My one gripe with it is that it requires us to start the story like so far back. Like we start in Cloud City. I thought you would like that because you usually like things that take place away from the central area of these stories. So I like the second part where she's not on the sail barge or anywhere near it. And she kind of has nothing to do with like that part of the story. Like she really is, as she realizes, just like kind of a footnote in this event. But I don't I just don't like that there had to be such a huge time skip. Okay. Like at first when we were on Cloud City, I was like When is this happening? Is this during episode five? And then I was like, wait, this book's not during episode five. What are we talking about? It is a, it's it was just disorienting because all of the other stories are so tightly. Yeah, adhered. disorienting is a great word for it. Like you open like did, is this a mistake? Am I reading the right book? <laughs> did they put this in here on accident? So for me, I don't love this story, but there are moments in this story that I do love. To begin with, I really like that opening scene in Cloud City. I like that sense of disorientation and what is going on. It's just always nice when a story spends some time in another setting and the Cloud City opening is just, it does it for me. I also love Four Winds Reveal at the end of the story. 99 is so convinced that this is Lando, but, that, but we, the reader, knows it can't be. It just wouldn't make any sense with how the movie plays out. And having it be a droid from Cloud City Seeking Revenge was just just worked so well for me. Yeah, I did really like that part. So I I was forgiving of the time skip because it brought about like narrative satisfaction. Given the little amount of time we see of EB-99 in Return of the Jedi, it makes sense how interested she is in pain. Like we see her torturing a droid and seemingly enjoying it. But that doesn't mean I have to like a story with that as its central <laughs> premise. Like that. I think this is a fascinating story, and I love parts of it so much, but the story itself, I just I just don't like it. That's fair. That being said, I did appreciate that 4-1 took out her pain receptors before having her be dismantled. I thought that He's was like... like, no, you're not going to enjoy this. Yeah, I, I thought that was... like For, for most droids, that would be a blessing. Yeah. But for 99, that's the worst thing he could have done, and I love that. Yeah. I get what you mean about not liking a story with so much like droid torture... Yeah. At its center. I I guess it's not that I liked it. It was just it, it was just fascinating. Yeah, that's good for it. Like her psyche and all of the modifications that she's made to herself and her like kind of weird cybernetic ascension was so interesting. It was such a different side of like I feel like we see droids in Star Wars as always being these like one of two things. They're these really loyal, lovable sidekicks. That might mean that they also murder lots of people like Chopper, but not always. And then the other type of droid is this like soulless. The B1 battle droid. Yeah, that comes for you or like one of the like HK. Yeah. But regardless, almost every droid also can serve the role of comedic relief. Like yeah. Chopper, R2-3PO all play that role at different points. B1 battle droids, especially in like Jedi Survivor, are constantly making us laugh. Yeah. She just seemed like she was a much more, probably because it was told from her perspective, she just seemed like a much more fully actualized person. Yeah, she's in one, a of the twisted most un- way. one of the most unique droids we've seen in Star Wars, for better and for worse. Yeah. I think the only other droid I can think of where she got something from their perspective was Whistler, back mm. in I Sarge Revenge. Yeah. Because I don't think, we may have gotten something from R2 and 3PO at some point, but it's been few and far between. It didn't stand out the way that. Yeah, I do remember stuff from R2 and 3PO's perspective. What book was that in? 
Um, it's when that big wasn't Black Plague Crisis, was it? No, there's a big plague, but it's not the X-wing plague of Twilight. Yeah, that one. That's right. When they're trying, <laughs> no to... no wonder I was having a hard time remembering where it was from. <laughs> when they're trying to uh, get themselves shipped somewhere, they're briefly like a two droid band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is more interesting. <laughs> There's been some other stuff sort of quasi from 3PO's perspective, too. I think that was also in... No, it was in New Rebellion. Um, when him and R2 are investigating the, That's what, the bombing. hall, and then they're trying to, like, run around and stuff. Yeah. I remember that really changing my perception of, like, why 3PO is the way he That's is. That's right. One of the only good things to come out of that book. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there are, but yeah, there's not a lot of droid perspective. and It's th- kind th- of like Wookiees. Yeah. Like, Star Wars is... So human centric, yeah, yeah. It, it, for better and worse, yeah. Now, let's check the holonet for messages. So, we have received two emails. The first is from Tim, and he's just got a very short, nice email. He says, Hello, just want to say how much I am enjoying your podcast. I have tried a few covering the EU and keep coming back to your podcast. I'm currently approaching the Kenobi episode. Great book, yeah. Quick question It seems like you've been reading The Higher Public. Any chance you could start? funneling interviews of this era era happy holidays tim so you are right we've been reading the higher public i'm a little more caught up than crystal is right now she's i'm just, so behind we're not so behind you haven't started phase three yet there's only one book so far no oh. but, but aren't there comics there are comics the one you but i have those yet either um the, the comic you really need to read from phase two is the blade of bar is just the blade mm. um because that ties very heavily into the start of phase three and also the short story collection as well because mm-hmm. um, that also sets a few things for Phase 3. Read those, then you can read The Eye of Darkness. We've both overall been enjoying it. I think me more than you overall. Light of the Jedi instantly became one of my favorite Star Wars books. Whereas you you liked it, but it didn't quite hit the same level for you. Yeah. I actually don't necessarily think it's the fault of the High Republic era. Or anything. Which is a very interesting era. I think it's that I have recently been reading just like a lot of new releases. And by new, I just mean like within the last five years. And I feel like I'm, especially in genre fiction, sci-fi fantasy, I feel like I'm seeing a kind of like overall pattern of sameness to how stuff is written and the plots that are contained therein. And I think this is the dark side of being a voracious reader. <laughs> I actually don't think it's anyone's fault or that these books are like bad or anything. Like I like them just fine. They just didn't stand out to me. Maybe focus less on modern stuff and spread out release dates for what you're reading. I mean, I have recently started reading a much older. I mean, it's not much older, but I think they started coming out in the 2000s, the Stormlight Archive series, which like. My God, it's been a long time since a book humbled me so much. <laughs> it took me, like, my library hold on that book was going to run out on the day that I finished it. It took me so long to read because it was huge. Um, and the second one took just as long, so I was smart that time and just bought it instead of getting it from the library. And those have kind of, like, I think that's why those have scratched a kind of itch for me because even decade to decade, like, norms and styles change. Yeah. Um, and so going backwards a bit has definitely refreshed me for genre stuff. But yeah, there's also like the other issue I kind of 
have with the High Republic stuff is just so many characters, so many, like, you have to read so many things to stay on top of it. It feels like a, it feels like a lot of work. <laughs> I think if you did just the books and not, like, if you did just the adult novels, I think you would get a very satisfying story, but reading the young adult novels and the middle grade novels just enriches the era so much. Reading the comics enriches the era so much. At least for me, it is a lot to keep track of and keep up with, though. Yeah. And, like, I want, I, I think a bigger thing, and this is definitely a me thing, I want to be reading stuff that's not just Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't allow Star Wars to take up really even 30% of my stuff read per year because it's just, I know that probably there are listeners that will disagree with me, but I actually think there is a thing as too much Star Wars. No. <laughs> like, I know that my husband disagrees with me, but. But I also get wondering that, like, Star Wars is maybe about 50% of what I read every year. God. Because, you know, it's about. 12-ish books for the podcast, plus new releases, brings it to about 20-ish. And last year I read 40-something, maybe 50 books. I feel like I've gotten a real break the last, I don't know, a couple of months. Because I just feel like I haven't had to do as much reading for this podcast. And I haven't kept up with new canon. And so I've really diverged into non-Star Wars stuff. And it's been very refreshing for me. That's good. And there's only (laughs) I Have Darkness has been the only thing that's come out recently. And you also didn't read Crimson Climb, I think. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. But, like, by contrast, I mean, I read Rise of the Red Blade, and I really, I know that's not High Republic era, but it is, you know, a recently published... In the last six, eight months. Yeah, and I really liked that. So, if you have a story that really intrigues me, it can overcome my, like, blahs about genre fiction. <laughs> And as for reviews of this era, we aren't going to be dedicating episodes to the higher public or just new can books in general. We are an EU podcast. That being said, if there's ever a book or a question you want us to talk about, we we will happily do so. Yeah, like we've we've kept up enough that we could devote a hollow net to discussion. Yeah. And you know, we might have a new project in the future that delves into that kind of thing a little more as well. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. So thank you for the email, Tim. We hope you are, uh, enjoyed the Kenobi episode. That was quite a while ago at this point, so it might take you a little while to hear your email read. I guess I could go back and add it to an earlier episode. That but. would be funny. Time traveling. Tim sent us this on December 20th, and we are recording right now on January 14th. And so it kind of makes me wonder like, how far in the future he'll actually hear this, because he was... Yeah, I guess it depends, it depends on, how on how quickly at the rate is at which he you, consumes or you podcast. listen to ten episodes a day, oh or is he me where it's like one a week? <laughs> I listen to podcasts like I I don't like to be alone with my thoughts, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm just if I'm doing chores, if I'm in the shower, if I'm cooking, I am listening to a podcast. So I have gone through like archives and archives of huge podcasts. Just it's impressive. Every once in a while, I think to myself, like, I really need to switch this to doing audiobooks instead of podcasts. You've um, tried that a couple times. It just hasn't stick, stuck for you. The problem is you. Ha- I feel like I have to pay so much more attention yeah. to an audiobook. With and a podcast, if it's one you've listened to or read before, maybe not. But, like, that's not what I would want out of that. Like, I would want to be <laughs> adding to my book count for the year as, like, ridiculously competitive as that sounds. No, I get it. Though I do count rereads, yeah. When I so if you like, if you did like an audiobook of *Heir to the Empire*, 
Yeah, I don't want to. No. I'm feeling kind of kind of burned. On Zon? Yeah. Oh. Just at present. <laughs> Poor Timothy. That's that's what happens. <laughs> Thank you for the email, Tim, and happy holidays to you as well, even though we're saying this in mid-January. It's still the holidays. Our Christmas tree's still up. <laughs> we'll leave for the six months. No. No? We do have to take it down uh, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> After BG3. Yeah. And our second email comes from Aaron Motes of the Legends Lounge, who just this last year wrapped up reading through the New Jedi Order. If you have read and experienced those books, I highly recommend listening to, I forget, uh, it would have been 19 episodes plus a wrap, so like 20, 21 episodes that he did on it with uh, several guests. It's really interesting to listen to. If you, if you read that, definitely highly encourage it. If you haven't read it, Go read the books first, then listen to it, because they are great books, and we'll get there in a couple of years. Christmas. I'm making a sad face because I don't get to listen. <laughs> Sorry. Tom has to tell me which episodes I'm allowed to listen to. I'm being kept prisoner here. <laughs> Someone help me. Do you, want spoil- do you want to be spoiled? I don't. I already know stuff that I wish I didn't know, and it's only like three pieces of information, and I still wish I didn't know it. About New Data Order or the future in general? Um, I think about New Jedi Order. Okay. Maybe about the future in general. Okay, we can talk later. I'm curious. <laughs> I know one of them for sure, because that one is, yeah. You it, should know two of them for sure, and now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, dang it, I had almost forgotten this piece of information, and I didn't allow it to lay fallow in my mind for long enough. Sorry. Ah, now I've re-remembered it, now I have to start the process. Oh, I know what that is. Again. That, that's not the New Jedi Order. Right, you told me that. Okay, that's, so it's just a, just three pieces of information about the future, yeah, I guess. That, that's much, much later in the timeline. I actually can't think of the third piece of information. Okay, that's good. That one lay fallow. I, I, know I was you, just picking an arbitrary number. It's like, I know less than five things. <laughs> I know the other big one that, I, that you, I have told you in the past. I'm glad you've forgotten it. So you can be destroyed when it happens. Crap, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Anyways, <laughs> returning to Aaron's email. <laughs> Aaron says... Hello, Crystal and Thomas. I loved Thomas's story about donating several of the books to his school and then needing to replace them. I also had to replace my Legends collection at one point, but it wasn't my doing, and it also changed the way I collect Star Wars books. I was a junior at West Virginia University in 1999 and lived with three other guys in a house off campus. The first weekend of November that year, the house caught fire. Oh, oh no. So sad. Nobody was injured, but the house burned down, and I lost my book collection in the blaze. That is my heart would be broken. Yeah, that's heartbreak. Aaron, I'm so sorry. I assume it was, it was more than just Star Wars that was lost. Like it would be your entire book collection of. But also, there's a part of me that would be relieved. No, we have to rebuy them. I would not be rebuying the stuff that's in my office. I would just let it go. Okay, some of them. Might be, yeah. I have some of them already in digital. The ones that matter the most to me, and so I would just let it go. <laughs> Like most people, my collection was a mixture of hardbacks and paperbacks when I included the value of the books on my insurance claim because none of them were first editions, special edition printings, etc. Insurance would only pay for any books I lost at the value of the mass market paperback versions. After that, afraid that if something terrible would happen and I lose my collection again, I decided to only buy the books once the paperback versions were published. The bad thing is that I normally have to wait about a year later than most Star Wars book collectors to read the stories. The good thing is that I don't have to pay the hardback price. <laughs> I know an e-reader is a cheaper option, but I have a tough time reading books on a screen. I like reading physical books. So it's actually kind of funny. We have a, how we collect books now is also very similar to this. Yeah. So whenever there's a new Star Wars release, most of the time, 
I will buy it on any e reader. Read it. Hopefully love it. You'll usually read it. With the idea of eventually buying it in paperback, um, this is to save space and weight um, yeah. for the next time we inevitably, inevitably move. Um, we, we're not going to move for a long time. Don't say, in a, don't say that. We will again someday. I don't even want to think about it. Like, I'm fine. We can stay in this house forever. <laughs> like, we, yeah. you know, we, we live in the Bay Area. It's a very transient population. We've both moved several times up here. And lugging around a bunch of hardcovers is a pain in the butt. Paperbacks, pain too, but less of one. So that's what we started doing for new candidates. We were buying them on digital and then getting a paperback copy eventually. That way we can read it, or at least I can read it immediately, and you can read it at your leisure. Yep. <laughs> um, a few books that we still have bought in hardcover, uh, most notably a number of the Higher Public books, the Ascendancy series, um, the last two books of the New Sometimes Throne Sometimes one is just going to have a cool cover. Yeah, that's definitely happens. Or like a special edition or something. Yeah. Like there's the um, the upcoming, uh, the John Jackson Miller book about the Jedi Council. I'm considering getting the when it comes out. Mm. Um, that looks really cool. Um, but generally speaking, our canon book collection looks very light because most of those we have digital right now. Yeah. And I, we just haven't got around to them buying them in paperback yet. We will someday. I will say, I also understand the e-reader thing. I mean, I myself prefer an e-reader, but it's a very specific type of e-reader. I was a Kindle Paperwhite person for a really long time, specifically because of how the screen is lit. It doesn't strain my eyes as much as a um, like a computer screen or a TV screen does. It's got that like e-ink thing. When that thing died, I ended up switching over to Kobo just to like... <laughs> Get away from it's Amazon. futile, but to try and get away from Amazon a little bit. <laughs> I still have a Kindle Paperwhite, so we still do use Amazon. Yeah, uh, and like, I, like we've amassed a huge digital collection on that platform over the years, so like there simply is no getting away from it. Yeah, Kobo has a similar thing to the Paperwhite, but I have noticed, especially say last night when I shouldn't have been reading at one in the morning <laughs> in the dark, it still does strain the eyes a little bit. Yeah, I should have turned the brightness down further since I was just like laying flat on my back with the book hovering above my that face in the so darkness. It was my arms kept falling asleep, <laughs> much unlike the rest of me to my chagrin. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to the story. I, I, I'm with Aaron. I prefer physical books over e-readers, but I do read a lot of e-books e these days, a lot more than I used to. Yeah, and that's my fault. <laughs> I converted you. <laughs> Aaron continues, I started replacing my Legends collection in 2000. However, by the time the prequel trilogy was finished in 2005, I decided to take a break from Star Wars. I did not like those movies. <laughs> I stopped reading the books. I didn't want to watch the Clone Wars micro series in 2003-2004 or the Clone Wars animated series. So we had similar but different reactions to this era of Star Wars. Because the prequels actually, episode one was the first one you saw. Yeah. Whereas for me, I was... 11 when Phantom Menace came out fell in love with that movie because I was young enough but by the time episode 2 came out I was like this isn't very good still once the minute trying for Revenge of the Sith I was like better not great better it's really funny this is, must have been the one time in our lives where your taste was better than mine yeah I guess so <laughs> but uh, the thing is this actually made me love the books even more because I was You're like leaning on them for sustenance. Yes. I was appreciating <laughs> what they were still doing. 
Like at that point, the New Jedi Order had wrapped up. I think we were into Legacy of the Force by then. Fate of the Jedi hadn't started yet. And I w- so to me, that was a much more interesting story than what was being told in the prequel uh, movies. That being said, I really enjoyed the prequel books of that era uh, to really flesh out the movies. And they did help make them better. I did watch the 0304 series, uh, Tartakovsky, I think is uh, his name, who made them. And I didn't love them, but I enjoyed them. Neither watched the Clone Wars animated series when that came out. I was in college when that came out. I was in high school when the movie came out. Yeah, because it was 08, I want to say. So I would have been sort of edging into college when... And just didn't have the time. College was actually where I read. I had just completely fallen off of Star Wars at that point in my life. Like I was sad. I was off. I just so in college, since I was a history major, I was reading a ton of books for school. The last thing I wanted to do was read a ton other books for fun. I still kept up with the ongoing Fate of the Jedi and whatnot um, as those were coming out. So I I was reading the new books going forward in the future, but everything else was being filled in either before that or during the original trilogy or the prequel era or the old Republic era. I was not reading that at all at the time at that time because I just did not have the bandwidth for it. Yeah. And I was the same, the same way I was an English major in college for three of the years. <laughs> it's a year where I tried to do astrophysics that we shouldn't talk about, but uh, regardless, I just did not have the, the time or the interest to do any like fun reading. I mean, at one point I was like, because I was, Catching up from my ill-advised year into astrophysics, I was taking like three English classes per semester to make sure I could graduate on time. So I was reading like four books a week. Yeah. (laughs) There was no time for anything else. And again, I had it wasn't that I had like consciously fallen off of Star Wars. It wasn't a decision. It was time. It was just like I didn't have time to. Keep up with it. Unfortunately, I, I, had, I had drifted away from genre as a whole at that time a, in my life. I was a poor college student. I could only buy so many books at the time, and libraries were not as uh, good as they are now. I mean, now it's like I don't know. I read all practically all of the books that I read. I get from the library on on my Kobo. Aaron continues, but by the time of the Disney acquisition in 2012, I had started coming back to Star Wars, and I wanted to finish reading the Legends novels. I never got around to purchasing. I finally finished acquiring all the Legends novels in October 2000. The only ones that aren't paperback are the three books in the Dark Forces series. I could find the paperback versions online, but they cost way more than the hardback versions, and I wasn't going to pay over $1,000 for three paperback copies in good condition. Good God, who's selling them for that price? Some books are just very They're rare just so and rare. very hard to find. <laughs> I, I remember there were some books in recent years, not recent, but like 10 years ago now that I would, was buying on eBay that I just didn't have, and... Yeah, some of those prices were ridiculous, I remember. I was like, I'm going to wait until I can find a cheaper copy. Aaron says, my niece Olivia was at my house the day my final book arrived in the mail, and she wanted to see all the Star Wars Legends books I had owned. I attached a photo after she helped me lay them all out on the dining room table in timeline order, except the Jedi Prince series at the end. I still don't remember when I got those. That is just so many books. I just want to say, this is a fantastic picture, Aaron. Love the uniformity of this era of paperbacks. They look (laughs) so satisfying. It's such a great picture. There are so many Star Wars books, so many great memories, and Eunice looks quite happy with herself. (laughs) Delighted by the horde before her. 
He says, I've continued buying only the paperbacks for the canon books. However, some of the canon books like Force Collector have only been published in hardback in the U.S. And the junior readers in the High Republic series are only available in hardback. So my canon book collection is progressing very slowly. As we've discussed, so is ours. (laughs) Thanks for letting me ramble, Aaron. Well, we're all in good company here. We paused this multiple times to ramble. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a podcast. We like to ramble. Yeah. That's the whole, like... That's the point of a podcast, to let yourself ramble. Not necessarily, <laughs> but that was the point of our podcast. It was, like, to put our ramblings in a contained space. Cohesive-ish. Yeah. And so that we could, you know, stop staying up until one in the morning talking about books and put it, you know... Out there for you to listen to. In a regularly regimented recording schedule instead. I'm feeling attacked right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm grateful that last night was an anomaly and that I don't usually stay up until one in the morning anymore. <laughs> I am tired. Uh, thank you so much for the email, Aaron. And also, he did have uh, several t- uh, gift reactions to our last episode about Vision of the Future Part 1. So if uh, you want to uh, see some amusing uh, gifts, check that out. Yeah, just go check out. <laughs> just look at the tweet from the episode and just then go, are they called tweets anymore? That's what I call it. What else, are you what call else it? would you call it? A zeet? X's? Yeah, it's a tweet. It's Twitter. Wow, it's dumb. It's dumb now there. Yes. I thought it, it was is. always dumb, but... It no. always was, but it's worse. Now it's more dumb. <laughs> oh, that, that wraps up this episode. Next up, we'll be finishing the Hand of Thrawn duology with the second half of Vision of the Future, written, of course, by Timothy Zahn. You can look forward to that coming out on February 4th. Thanks to Thomas for editing. And thanks to Crystal for going with Crazy Idea. And thanks to you for listening. You can email us at tk331podcast at gmail.com and you can follow us on x slash twitter slash whatever Musk is calling it at tk331podcast. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend about it. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast reviewing platform of your choice. Just sort of blast, blast it to the world. Convince a baby that tk331podcast should be their first words. Wow, we should really be trying right? harder with Talia, huh? Yeah, I've been focused on Star Wars, but it should be really be TK331 podcast. TK331 is something that even you cannot say with nope. consistency. <laughs> so, uh, good, good luck, luck, babies. Good luck, babies. <laughs> and now here it is, your moment of Star Wars. 99 had calculated that there was an 83% probability her attacker was the golden droid who had just arrived. But with a cascade of surprise, 99 did not recognize her attacker's features as they were revealed. It was only a one-two unit, much like the ones she had had so much success with on. It suddenly all made sense. I am 124C41, the attacker said as he let the cloak of his uniform flutter from his shoulders. Traffic controller, second class. You deactivated my manufacturing lot mates. Now the equation must be balanced. <laughs>